0: morning, we stand and sing our call to worship from Psalm 147.
1: To sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, He gathers the outcast of Israel. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked to the ground. The Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds, He prepares rain for the earth, He makes grass grow on the hills. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him and those whose hope is His steadfast love. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have called us out of rebellion, called us out of sin to be your people. And we come in worship this morning through your Son, Jesus, whom we have redemption through his blood according to the abundance of his grace. And Father, give us open hearts and ears to receive and to give this grace this morning. Father, meet us wherever you find us, meet those of us who feel unfilled, who who bring our longings and fears and uncertainties or meet those of us who may be wrestling with with questions of faith and may our doubts, our, our struggles be places where we find you and meet you and your patient and enduring love. Father, join those of us in the mundane, in the consistent everyday patterns of family life, in the, in the rhythms of home and work. May we experience the security of your faithful and abiding presence every day, moment by moment. And Lord, meet us in the deep down places, the, the feelings, the thoughts that provoke in us fear or shame, that can even lead to actions that hold our guilt and regrets. May these things find home in your kindness, your kindness that turns us around, that makes straight the crooked paths of our lives. So Father, by your Holy Spirit join us this morning. Lead us by your word and sacrament to the word who bears our flesh and changes by it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Also a note the fifth The eighth-grade class meet in the old teacher's lounge. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and, and, and assurance, time where we do acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him, and we do so anticipating, knowing that his mercy is at hand. We'll do this together as a church and then have a time of just quiet personal confession. Lord Jesus, the suffering servant who carried our sorrows and was pierced for our transgressions, we thank you for the mercy you have lavished on us. When we were estranged from God, you acted with sacrificial love to reconnect us and bring us peace. Jesus, you tell us that we are to love one another as you have loved us so we confess how difficult it is to care deeply for the well-being of others when mistreated we confess it is hard to trust you it's hard to set down retaliation or getting even jesus in your steadfast love and gentleness have mercy upon us amen to me. take a moment of personal quiet confession. Father, we come to you in faith, knowing that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Father, we turn in Christ, we turn to Christ, who laid down his life for our sins. and more than that, who rose to give us new life? We rejoice in this good news, and we give thanks in His name. Amen. Will us stand together to hear the words of assurance that, that come to us from Psalm 33. Let's join together. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let's take a moment to welcome one another in the name of Christ.
2: Well,
3: yes, this guy is my real identity too. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah 40 verses 21 through 31. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see, who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The New Testament lesson is from 1 Corinthians nine sixteen through 23 For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may represent the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law, This is the word of the Lord.
3: Good morning. It's good to to be here worshiping with you and thankful for a chance to look at God's word together. Thank you, Gina, uh, for reading. Uh, We are going to continue our sermon series uh, during this season of Epiphany. Epiphany is a season in the life of the church. And epiphany is this word that means to reveal or to make something known. And it's a reminder to us that God has made himself known in the person of Jesus. God has revealed himself in the person, life, and ministry of Jesus. And so we've been looking at gospel passages and asking, you know, who is this Jesus and, and who is the God that Jesus reveals? And I don't know about you, but when I think about something being made known or kind of seeing something, I I tend to think in that way, something that's kind of visible. But our passage this morning reminds us that part of what Jesus was doing was revealing not just in his physical presence, but in the things that he taught, that part of the way that God reveals, part of the way Jesus reveals God is through his teaching. And so part of the way we get to know who Jesus is and, and know the God that Jesus is revealing is by listening, it's by hearing. I'm not sure why, but when I thought of the hearing, this act of hearing, I, I thought of my, my dog, my dog named May. She's not necessarily very good at hearing, it seems like, but uh, I, I read a, a story that dogs, or not a story, an article, that dogs, like humans, have all five senses, right? Smell, hearing, sight, touch, and taste. However, dogs rely on different senses than we do. The two primary senses for dogs are smell and hearing. Scientific studies tell us that a human, I mean, sorry, a dog can smell 100,000 times better than a human. I don't even know how you quantify that. That seems, you know, it's a questionable scientific study, maybe, but no, 100,000 times more powerful. Sorry, as, as a dog's hearing, that why we can sometimes, you know, hopefully hear about 50 to 100 feet Most dogs can hear up to a quarter of a mile, which is 1,300 feet, or about 15 times what a human range is, sometimes even farther. And so what I was reading said that because your dog barks, sometimes your dog might bark because they can hear something that you cannot hear. That might be the case for my dog. Usually it seems like my dog barks because she's hungry or because the dog that she doesn't like is walking by the window. But I want us today to think about hearing and the power of hearing, how much we can hear, how much we don't hear, because we're going to look at a passage in which Jesus is teaching. It's part of his sermon on the plain from the Gospel of Luke. And when he begins his teaching, he starts by saying, to those who hear, to those who listen. And so right from the beginning, he's describing or defining his followers as those who pay attention to him, those who hear his voice, those who know his voice or or follow his voice, those who hear and listen. So let's look at our passage. This is from Luke chapter 6, and we can hear what Jesus invites us to hear. You can follow in your order or in your Bible. This is Luke 6, verse 17 through 20, and then 27 through 36. And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out of him and healed them all. And Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is God's word given for our good. Lord, we ask that your Spirit would be with us. That you would illuminate your word that we would hear and receive and understand give you thanks in jesus name amen well as we look at this passage and that jesus is teaching uh, i want our sermon to have two parts the first that we will hear that we'll hear what he is teaching and the second that we can see uh, to the god that jesus is pointing us to that we can see the god that jesus is revealing so let's start by first just hearing, hearing and giving attention to Jesus' words. Love your enemies, do good to those who ha- hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Right away we see, right, we can feel that Jesus is revealing a manner of life different from the norm, from the expected reciprocity of how so much of life works it is not it's not do unto others as they have done to you pay them back rather jesus says as you wish that others would do to you do so to them love do good bless pray even for those who do not treat you in this way and jesus goes on saying do not strike back Do not cling to your possessions. In fact, give away freely. Jesus is calling us, inviting us to to think about what it would be to, to live not in response to others. Don't allow the actions of others to dictate how you act, but to treat others as you would desire to be treated. Now, Jesus is not just saying these things if there are numerous places as we look in the gospel at his life and ministry where he models this way of living we can think of how he is forgiving towards peter when peter denies him in his most difficult time or how he washes judas's feet when jesus has betrayed him but i think it's worth remembering jesus last miracle In the Gospels, when Jesus is arrested in the garden, one of his followers reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And how does Jesus respond in this moment? In this moment in which he is violently being arrested, Jesus mends the servant's ear. His final miracle is to pick up the ear that has been cut off of the one who is arresting him and to heal it. And before being led away, Jesus turns to his disciples and says to them, No more of this. No more of this. Put your sword back in its place. All who live by swords are destroyed by swords. And we can think about what he's saying about physical violence, but we can also think about how it connects to Proverbs 12, in which we are told that rash words or harsh words are like sword thrusts, but a wise tongue brings healing. Do good to those who hate you, love your enemies, put away your swords. Jesus starts by saying to those who hear, those who hear my voice, and so I think it makes sense that we can ask, or we can at least acknowledge, is what are the challenges for us to hear this compelling but difficult teaching? It can be hard to hear these words and to receive them. There's, there's two things I want us to highlight as challenges, two words, the, the word enemy and the word love. When we try to listen to Jesus, it's possible that we can think to ourselves... I don't have any enemies. Maybe some of you, you know, that's not my problem, but uh, some of you might think, I don't have any enemies. Maybe we think even the concept, having an enemy seems sub-Christian, or at least not something that we're supposed to admit. And it's possible that we have this idea that Christians, aren't, aren't Christians supposed to be nice and just get along with everybody? So one of our first acts of hearing this teaching might be to honestly admit that there are persons, whether near to us or far, near to us or far who have mistreated, slandered or hated us. There are persons we are angry with, hurt by that we do not like nor wish well. Thinking of such persons or such treatment can be painful and something that we often prefer to ignore. And so I wanna be clear that this teaching that Jesus gives to us today does not dismiss the reality of evil, the reality of wrong or hurt. Jesus is not excusing those who have done wrong or not telling victims that it's no big deal. That is not what he's saying in these commands. Many of us have been treated badly in hurt in significant ways or viewed unfairly or with this And Jesus is not removing the need for wisdom, community, support, or guidance in how one might interact with someone who has deeply hurt you. And for, In fact, for many of us, if we hear this teaching, maybe along with acknowledging there's an enemy, maybe the first step is talking with a pastor or a counselor or a friend or brother or sister in Christ even about what that might mean. To seek help. I want us to be reminded that the scriptures as a whole hold together this tension of loving our enemies. For example, in the Psalms, the Old Testament kind of prayer or song book, there are numerous psalms that are often titled cursing psalms or imprecatory psalms, in which the person is crying out to God, asking God to judge his or her enemy to see what's happened and to act and to vindicate, to cry out what has happened. And such Psalms teach us that love of enemies does not mean that we have to lie about the damage that's happened or insist through clenched teeth that everything's fine. The Apostle Paul says something similar in Romans 12. He says, do not hit back Do not insist on getting even, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but leave it to the justice of God. And then he quotes from Deuteronomy, which God says, I will do the judging, I will repay evil. For those who hear, the voice says to us, no personal vendettas, rather we trust God, his teaching, and his action. Or what are some of the challenges for us to hear, for us to receive these compelling but difficult words? I mentioned the word enemies, but the other word is the word love. What does love mean? You know and I know like that word gets used so many ways and so many times. It's worth us saying that the love that Jesus asks his disciples to enact is, is not a feeling of fondness. The love here is not a a feeling of affinity or even necessarily one of friendship, but rather an attitude, a posture that then leads to action. Love means to will or to act for the good of another, even when that person has not treated you in the same way, to treat as I would like to be treated. And so that's why you can see in our passage, Jesus' teaching moves from this kind of attitude and posture of love and of seeking goodwill to speech. To, I'm going to speak with blessing and with prayer. And then finally to action. I want to be one who gives, who goes beyond, who acts with generosity and freedom. There's a, a quote that I've mentioned a, a few times in sermons That I want to mention again, as I was thinking about this passage, it's one that has stood out to me. It says this, when you are young, when you're young, it's easy to confuse strength with dominance. When you're older, you realize the feat of character it takes to be meek. Maybe this stands out to me because I'm getting old, apparently, but As we think about Jesus' words, we can hear this quote from uh, James K.A. Smith, when you're young, it's easy to confuse strength with dominance. When you're older, you realize the feat of character it takes to be meek. It's easy for us when we think about life, and our our culture encourages this, right, to think about strength in terms of dominance, of getting my way, of having the final say, the, the last word. What Jesus is inviting us to imagine would be rather that strength is one of meekness. The opposite of meekness in the Bible, the opposite of meekness is cruelty or indulging in hate, kind of indulging in judgment. But meekness rather is a strength that's under control, a strength that serves a higher purpose or guidance than revenge or my way. And Jesus is inviting us into such meekness and generosity. If we can imagine this, if we can imagine something like thinking to ourselves what we want someone to do to us, and then doing it for them, if we can begin to imagine this, we're beginning to hear the words that Jesus is saying. So first I want us to hear what Jesus is saying, hear his teaching, and the second thing I want us to to explore today is that to see how Jesus is pointing us to the God he is revealing. These, These words point us to the God that Jesus reveals. Jesus says, love your enemies. And then in the final section of our passage, he pushes it further, highlighting a difference that sets his way apart, a difference that sets his people apart when they obey his ways. And this difference is marked by the repeated phrase, what credit is that to you, or what benefit is that to you? Three times he says this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners, those who do not follow my voice, Even those who do not follow my voice love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. What credit is that to you saying, everyone, everyone does that? And Jesus wants to highlight the difference. But you, you who hear, you who follow my voice, you are to love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then, then you will be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. When you and I, when we are marked by this difference, when we give even to those who do not love us or do not do good to us or do not pay us back, then we will be like children displaying the ways of our Heavenly Father. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying this is not just some arbitrary teaching. When I live this way, Jesus is saying, I'm revealing the God of heaven and earth. And when you live in this different way, that you love even those who do not love you, you display the God of heaven and earth as well. See, when we look at his life, we see Jesus lived in this manner and he was the full revelation of God. And in these few lines, Jesus is actually inviting us to see, for us to see this profound and deep connection between the God that we worship and how we view and treat others. There is a link between the God that we worship and how we view and treat others. See, his teaching has this kind of hidden question in it is, who is your God or what is your God like? For example, that we can think of the gods of money or power or reputation, very powerful gods. And they tell us that life is about getting your way, about protecting yourself, about getting and holding on to what you get. They tell us it's about finding those who can help you keeping them close and pushing away or avoiding those who bring costs to you. They tell us that you're on your own and that life is measured in how much you have and not letting others take advantage of you, making sure that you come out on top. These gods are prevalent and they invite us to a certain way of seeing and treating others. But your heavenly father, Jesus says, is different. The God that I'm revealing, Jesus says, is different. The creator of heaven and earth is astonishingly generous, blessing all with life and provision, with gifts, even for the ungrateful and evil. When God made himself known on his earth, he did so in Jesus, the one who sought out the least and the outcast, the one who did not only show love to his friends, but express love and generosity and healing even to those who mistreated him. And we see this way of God, what our God is like primarily in the cross. In Romans 5, we're reminded that God did not wait for us to clean ourselves up or to, to look a certain way or to make ourselves ready to pay him back, but while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. At the cross, Jesus moves to the outcast and the sinner to bear our guilt and our shame and even our death, not because we were worthy, but because he loved us even when we were not worthy. And so if there's one thing that we can remember from this, when we hear love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, is that this commandment is at the heart of Christianity. It's at the heart of Christianity because it is at the heart of the cross. What is our God like? God, because of his great love for us, takes upon himself all that's broken in us, all that's evil, all that's full of guilt and shame. Not because we're worthy and we'll pay him back, but because of his love even for those who disregard him. This is at the heart of our faith because it's the way of our God. And Jesus is inviting us not just to some commandments. He's inviting us to encounter the God of grace and such as this. In the Old Testament, when Moses was giving the law to the people, one of the things that came up was that one day your children will ask you about the the laws, or you're supposed to tell your children the commandments of God. And when they ask you, you know, tell me, tell me, what are the rules? Like, how am I supposed to live? What are the commandments? Moses says, you must start by talking about Egypt. No, no, I want to know what the rules are. Just tell me how I'm supposed to live. No, you have to start this way. God rescued us from bondage in Egypt. God rescued us from suffering in the land of Pharaoh. God heard our cries and he set us free. He called us his beloved and his special ones. This is the starting point. This is the starting point. For it's only out of that out of that act of love and rescue that we can then ask God, how am I to live? How would I share and live out the grace that you've demonstrated to me? For grace and God's mercy always comes first, then obedience, then new ways of living. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus invites us to hear these words because they point us to the God that loves us and the God who has acted for us in Christ. Let us hear them this day and let us ponder how they invite us to walk with God. Amen, let's pray. Lord give you thanks for your word and we thank you Lord that you are gracious to us. Even when we are ungrateful, filled with deceit, acting in ways that are evil. Thank you for your grace in Christ, and we pray, Lord, that that grace may overflow into how we use our strength and resources towards others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Will you please stand with us, and we'll sing together. (laughs) To give him thanks and
1: o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth! Great is our Lord and abundant in power; His understanding is beyond measure. O Lord, You lift up the humble, but cast the wicked to the ground. Therefore, it is good and right to join with Your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. <laughs> Having uh, heard and, and seen, we're invited uh, to taste the gospel this morning. And as Pastor Chaz reminded us, that we are to love our enemies. And in that, just consider uh, who are the enemies? Who are the enemies that in our life? Those maybe perhaps who, uh, who offer contempt, who offer slander, who are hostile to the things that maybe we value and the ways that we live our lives. But one of the things that this table also invites us to do, to see and and to hear, but to taste, is to consider that that we too, when we come to this table, to consider that we are also enemies, (laughs) that we have done things that have invited contempt, or we have done that work in, in the lives of other people, and with God, we've been those who have uh, slandered others, who have uh, lived in such a way where we bring people down and reject them. And yet this, this table, it invites a different narrative. It invites a, it's a different invitation to come and to sit around the table and to be filled up with something very, very different. That the God who understands and he sees all of those things in us to come and to eat and to be filled up with his mercy and his love. And so if that's you this morning, if you believe that, if you uh, take that in then come and eat and be filled with the, with the grace uh, and the abundance of God, uh, if, if that's not you this morning, I invite you to, to still see and to behold and to look and to hear the good news that is offered to you in Jesus. Father, we thank you for this table. We pray that you would uh, set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one. That you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and this wine. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus broke the bread. And And he's saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. If you're coming to receive the elements this morning, please come down the center aisle to receive both the bread and the wine. Ask that you hold on to them and return to your seats on the side that we can eat and drink as one uh, church family. If you're, if you're not coming for the elements, uh, please do come forward. We're Happy to offer a prayer blessing for you. Just put your arm across your chest, either myself or Pastor Chad. Happy to offer a prayer blessing for you. Well, let's come. The servers uh, are, are welcome to come forward as we... Christ's body was broken to make us whole, let's eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. Amen. Let's stand together in response to this table for a time of prayer and song. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the vine and we are the branches. Help us to abide in that, that our lives may produce good fruit. May you be glorified as we proclaim the mystery of faith. you may be seated.
3: We're going to continue uh, worshiping through a time of giving, a chance to give our offering to God. And so I to invite the greeters to come forward. Uh, they'll have a, a gray basket. You can put your communion cup in and then a silver offering plate if you'd like uh, to make a gift. Uh, you can also give offering uh, through the church's website and other ways you'll see uh, in your order of worship if you're interested in doing that. Uh, but wanna say welcome again, glad that we can worship together. If you just started uh, worshiping here, we're glad that you're here and glad you joined us. Um, a Couple of things, that there is a black information pad under the chair in the center aisle. So if you're sitting in the center aisle, I invite you to reach under there, uh, pick that up and fill it out. Uh, you can fill it out and pass it down so you can know who you're worshiping with. And if you are uh, new to the church, it's great to have your information. We can follow up and share more information with, with you. Also, after the service, there's a time of coffee and bagels uh, in the hallway right behind me. Uh, You know, come and stay after, have a chance to get to know each other. There's coffee and bagels that we can enjoy together. Um, And also, just a reminder, for anyone that's interested in the day of service and helping sort clothes um, uh, to welcome our new neighbors, the migrants that are settling in Chicago, then please uh, head over to the community space at noon today. Uh, We'll be there to help sort the clothes, and then we'll order some food and enjoy some lunch together as well. Let's continue uh, worshiping uh, through the giving of our gifts to God.
0: And to join us for the doxology.
3: God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. You may go in peace.